Welcome to Full Disclosure, a podcast to provide legal information and updates to individuals, business owners and business advisors in South Australia. This podcast is brought to you by Mellor Olson Lawyers, a full-service South Australian law firm. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and do not constitute legal advice in any way. Reliance on the information contained in this podcast is done so at your own risk. In today's episode, we're talking with Mellor Olson partner, John Love. John is an employment and workplace lawyer. Welcome, John. Hi, Lucy. John, with the recent changes in South Australian and federal government, I understand that it's brought about some changes to the industrial relations reform to employment laws. I've asked you along today to discuss some of what these changes are and the impact it might have on South Australian businesses. Can you lead us into how we've got to this point? Thanks, Lucy. Um, so in the lead up to the last federal election uh, a few mo- last month, the um, Australian Labor Party released its Secure Australian Jobs Plan and also Uh, which included all of its proposed changes to industrial and employment laws. Um, And also in March, we had a change of state government uh, with the election of a new Labor government, who have also promised to make some changes to employment laws. Okay, so should we start with what promises have been made? Um, I understand that one of these is making wage theft a crime. What is wage theft and what would this change mean to South Australian businesses? Yeah, so wage theft is a very um, controversial term politically and it refers to the deliberate underpayment of wages or of entitlements. Um, In my experience, most underpayments of wages or of entitlements are not deliberate and are as a result of ignorance or confusion and therefore are not really considered um, wage theft or fit the definition of wage theft. Underpayments can occur in a number of different ways, including uh, incorrect hourly rates, um, non-payment of hours um, or some employers making uh, unlawful or unreasonable deductions from employees' wages. Um, it's been estimated that in South Australia about one-fifth of employees at some point have been underpaid or incorrectly paid their wages or entitlements. Uh, and often these underpayments occur really, in my experience, due to a misunderstanding of the complex regulations that apply as are contained in modern awards. Okay, so what what are some of these misunderstandings of the modern award? What could we be looking for? Yeah, the main ones that I tend to see are an employer incorrectly classifying an employee under the modern award and therefore paying the wrong hourly rate, or an employer failing to correctly apply penalty rates, uh, overtime rates and allowances, which can be quite complex, and also an employer um, mistakenly paying a higher rate, thinking that that higher rate encompasses all of payments under the award when in fact it's either not high enough to encompass all payments or hasn't been done uh, in the correct way to make that lawful. So is this the intent for this to bring South Australia in line with some other states? I mean I understand that we're looking at some laws federally. Where does this sit in regards to what's happening nationally? Yeah so at the moment South Australia doesn't have any specific wage theft laws but the new government is planning on introducing those. Um, But what the new federal government is proposing will be federal laws to deal with um, this concept of wage theft. Um, Victoria already has wage theft laws, as does Queensland, who both passed those laws in 2020. um, And they apply to employers who deliberately and dishonestly underpay their workers, um, as opposed to employers where there's been an an inadvertent or accidental or a mistaken underpayment of wages. Yeah, so just this intent is really where we're going to get caught up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's deliberate versus, you know. Yeah, accidental. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I understand that the, the new federal Labor government has also promised to make job security a Fair Work Act objective. Is this correct? Yes, it is. So the, the Fair Work Act has a number of objectives, uh, which include things like economic growth, productivity, fairness and work-life balance. And what the new government's proposed is to include secure work as an objective of the Act. What that really means is that when courts or the Fair Work Commission are making decisions under that legislation, in arriving at their decision, they need to take into account the objects of the Act. And so by including that as an object of the Act, that will become a part of the courts or the Commission's consideration in making decisions. Okay, so what would these changes mean? It's difficult to assess with any certainty and only time will tell what it really looks like. Um, but for example, it could include, it may include things like further restrictions on the use of casual employees under modern awards, um, because casual employees are often considered to be the biggest category of insecure employees. So just one to watch for businesses out there, employers. Yeah, okay. definitely. I also understand that Labor has indicated it will legislate to limit the use of fixed term contracts, so contracts for say 12 months or project work. Can we, can we flesh that out a little bit? So many employers use fixed term contracts for, and most for legitimate reasons, to work um, to, to, for example, fill maternity leave gaps or to work on specific projects. Um, but they've come under scrutin scrutiny recently because of concerns that some employers are actually using them for effectively ongoing employment, but in a way to avoid um, complying with unfair dismissal laws. Um, so Labor has indicated that it will look to legislate to limit their use um, and limit their, uh, limit their use to no more than two contracts for the same role um, or two, two, two years um, for the same role. And that's all part of its plan to bolster job security. Okay, so what will this mean for employers? What, what should they be doing? Well, I think that employers who use fixed-term contracts as part of their business, rolling fixed-term contracts, will need to carefully consider if that's the correct model once these laws are in place, because they may find that they are required to offer those employees permanent ongoing employment if they're in breach of the new provisions. All right, so that we will just watch and wait to see with those provisions, and if you're a business using fixed-term contracts as part of your um, staffing, just time to to pay a bit more detail to that one. Yeah, and thoughts should start to be given now because I do because this the government's been elected with this as part of its mandate, um, and I think it will just be time before these become before this becomes law. Okay, I understand that in 2021 the Morrison um, coalition government introduced significant changes to the Fair Work Act regarding casual employment. What were these? So those amendments introduced a statutory definition of casual employment for the first time in Australia, which basically said that you simply look at the beginning of the relationship and if it fits certain criteria, then the employer will be deemed casual irrespective of what happens after the relationship is entered into. Right, so what's Labor promising? So Labor's um, vowed to amend that test and really return the test back to something more consistent with the common law approach, which is that um, casual employment will be characterised by an absence of a firm commitment to advance commitment as to the duration of the employment and all the days or hours that the employees will work. Okay. I understand that the Albanese Labor government has a commitment to a better deal for women. What is expected from this, John? Yeah, so the government has committed to implement all 55 recommendations of the Respect at Work report, um, including legislating 10 paid um, family and domestic violence leave days in the National Employment Standards. That was a report released in March 2020 by the Australian Human Rights Commission uh, and among its 55 recommendations, um, it also recommended that employers have a positive duty 
um, to take reasonable and proportionate measures to eliminate and reduce sexual harassment, victimisation and sex or gender-based discrimination in their workplaces. So does this mean that we're looking for employers to be doing more preventative measures rather than waiting to manage issues that arise from there? Yeah, correct. So um, employers will now have a positive obligation um, to take steps to address these matters rather than simply reacting to issues that occur in the workplace once they've occurred. Okay. I imagine for um, larger businesses that have the um, resources to have a dedicated HR manager or people and culture manager or even some organisations reach out to someone like yourself in employment law and consider updating of policies and induction, what's your recommendations for some smaller employers? Where, Where can they go for some resources to assist them getting ready for this? Um, there, there definitely are good resources available on the Safe Work SA website, the Safe Work Australia website, and I also believe on the Fair Work Ombudsman provides some guidance around these sorts of issues. Um, and also, if, this, if the employer happens to be a member of their industry association, uh, often the industry association will provide very useful and good information at either free of charge, uh, along with a membership, or, or at a small cost. So as an employment lawyer, what is your recommendation for employers to make sure they're they're ready for this change? Uh, To review their policies and to make sure they're consistent with best practice, to consider um, positive uh, sort of training in the workplace around these sorts of issues, to make sure that they've done everything they can as an employer to comply with the positive obligation which will shortly apply. Okay. I believe Labor has also committed to leading a national push to help um, help close the gender pay gap. How, what's the intention here? Yeah, so the Workplace Gender Equality Agency has calculated the gender pay gap to be around about 14% and, and growing to 16% when total earnings are factored in. Um, in Australia, currently, um, one of the issues uh, that's been flagged are the um, pay secrecy clauses that are often relied on by employers to stop employees discussing their pay with other employees and Labor's committed to make those clauses null and void in employment contracts uh, as part of their push to address the gender pay gap. So a pay secrecy clause contained within your employment contract, how did it, that's one thing that they're obviously trying to, to change, how do they intend to address the gap? What's what's their push? Well, there, obviously there's, the, there's that, but also they want to give the Fair Work Commission more power to um, provide pay increases to lower paid female dominated industries. Um, they also are planning on requiring companies with more than 250 employees to report their gender pay gap publicly. Um, and they also plan on taking action to address the, pen- the gender pay gap in the Australian Public Service. Yeah, right. We've already seen um, a shift with the major banks with this regard. Is that correct? What have we seen them do? Yeah, so the big four banks have been some of the first organisations in Australia to uh, publish some information around gender pay gap and also to um, um, not enforce their pay secrecy clauses in employment contracts. So this hasn't come into effect, but we understand that it's highly likely to as part of, I guess, the election campaign for Labor to get in. Should employers be reviewing their employment contracts now or wait or what do we think we should be doing? Oh, definitely. I think now is an ideal opportunity and before the laws um, become uh, in place to check that they um, any pay secrecy clauses may need amending. Um, and to keep up with some of the other standards that are going to change, such as the paid domestic and family leave, which will become um, likely to become part of the national employment standards. Just on that, how do you go about changing an employment contract? Is that 
purely a, a consultation piece between the employer and the employee? How do you go about amending an employment contract? Well, that can only be done by agreement between the employer and employee, which would obviously involve some consultation and then a meeting of the minds and then probably a written variation would be the sensible way to do it. Well, I think there's obviously a lot for us to think about and quite a bit that um, businesses out there should be uh, considering and, and getting ready for. John, is there any parting information that you think businesses should be considering at this point in time? This is a good opportunity for employers to revisit and review their policies in the workplace that, to deal with complaints and dealing with harassment and, and victimisation in the workplace and also review their employment contracts to make sure that they're ready to make changes consistent with the legal changes that are coming. And if any businesses needed the advice of you, this is something that you can help with? Certainly. Okay. Well, there's certainly a lot to consider and quite a bit for employers to watch and uh, adapt policies and procedures and contracts accordingly. I'd like to thank John so much for your time today. Thanks so much, John. It's quite a bit to take in. It's good to have someone digest it for us. Thank you. The information in this podcast is general in nature. For podcast terms and conditions, for further information on John Love, Workplace and Employment Law or Mellor Olson Lawyers, please visit molawyers.com.au.